It's like the tower. Your daily look around the world of sports with Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way, and Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe. On your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, the Horn. Now to Dillon, right side lane, jumper good from the right side of the lane, and the Longhorns lead 3-2. Pick and roll, pick and pop. Marcus pulls the ball back out. Now dribbles into the paint, dumps a pass into DeSue, banks it high off the glass for two. Dillon with eight, Texas up four, 25-21 Longhorns, 2.40 remaining first half. Now double team, Dillon's got to get rid of it, rifles a pass, out to Carr, long range three, off the back iron, no good. DeSue, an offensive rebound, back up with the right hand, and he rattles it in. Dillon DeSue with 10 points in the first half. Texas, its largest lead of the half, up six at 27-21. Bounce pass, goes to Cunningham, left side. Works it to DeSue. Dillon draws a trap, a double team, looking, needs help, locates Carr out between the circles. Ten on the shot clock, inside a minute to go in the half. Carr lobbing it. DeSue wants it again in the lane, has it again in the lane. Twelve first half points for Dillon. Texas up six with 40 seconds remaining in the half. Left side, Mitchell, bounce pass to DeSue. Now a trap comes. Dillon dribbles away from it. Picks it up to Allen. Cutting in the middle. Had his shot rejected, but DeSue got it back. In the paint now. Going around Jai to score off the glass. Longhorns inbound the ball. Down three. 58-55. DeSue. Big jump stop in the lane, and he floats it in. Boy, excellent bucket. Dillon with 20. Longhorns back within a point now. 58-57. Penn State with the ball. 425 to play in the ball game. Out to Rice. Holds it on the right side. Looking toward DeSue, feeds him with a pass, working on Miles Dredd in the paint. DeSue will shoot, 12-footer good. Dillon knocks it down, Longhorns are back in front, 59-58 to Hunter. Tyrese 10 to shoot, sends it across the floor to Rice. Shot fake on the three against Pickett, holds up, Pickett doesn't fall for fake this time. Bounce pass goes to DeSue, three to shoot, two, one, turn around, good! A huge basket by DeSue, and Texas leads by three, 61-58. 12 on the shot clock, here's Carr, top of the arc, sends it to DeSue, puts up one more, good! The man of the match tonight, Dylan DeSue with 26 points! Texas up seven, 50 seconds to go, 65-58. Jabari, trap, got rid of it to Allen. Two on one as he brings it down, passes it to DeSue, off the glass for two. Penn State pressed, the Longhorns made them pay for it. Texas up seven, 67 to 60. Penn State inbound, 4.1 to go. Inbound to Funk. he'll fire from almost midcourt, no good. Make way for Kansas City. The Texas Longhorns have beaten the Penn State Nittany Lions in the second round of the NCAA tournaments. And for the first time in 15 years, the Texas Longhorns are headed to the Sweet 16. Final score, Texas 71, Penn State 66. Uh, Dylan DeSue, have yourself a night. Uh, that was a montage that uh, Jacob Mendoza put together on uh, Saturday night, separate, different from the one we played you last hour. That was all Dylan DeSue, and why not? 28 points, 10 rebounds. The Longhorns winning 71-66 over Penn State. They move on to the NCAA Sweet 16 for the first time since 2008. As we bring you Light the Tower here on the Horn, second hour of the program, Craig Way, Jeff Howe, our producer, Cameron Parker. You know, years from now, people are going to wonder, when they ask, hey, who has the Texas program record for most field goals in an NCAA tournament? How about that? Oh, sure, Kevin Durant, you know, Marcus Aldridge, maybe P.J. Tucker. Nope. Never forget the night that Dylan DeSue went wild on Penn State. He was one bucket shy of tying Durant's record 
for most points scored by Longhorn in an NCAA tournament game. Kevin did that in a loss to O.J. Mayo and USC in the second round. Wasn't Swaggy, P, Swaggy P on that USC team also? I Nick think Young? so. Yeah. I think so. Yes. Um, that was also, I think, the uh, the last time that the Longhorns were in the first and second round thing where there was almost no break in between the day session and the evening. was e- on that SC team. Yeah. Uh, where there was almost no break, time break. Like there's normally like two to three hour break in between the day session and the evening mm-hmm. session. Every year there's one of these regionals where they don't do that because it's to balance out TV viewing windows. Mm-hmm. And so it was a quick, quick turnaround. It was even quicker for us because our broadcast location on Thursday was where Kansas was. And Kansas, if you've ever seen it, does a two-hour post-game show courtside. <laughs> and it was all we could do to get our friends from the Jayhawk Radio Network from Learfield to kind of wrap it up because we had to set up and get on the air, and they did. We did not have that issue on uh, Saturday. That Jayhawk Radio Network runs pretty deep in terms of the bodies involved in the production. It's a bunch. There's a bunch. Um, and they'll 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 take an extra chair courtside. And they'll I, they'll take an extra twenty minutes of a. I got a, I got a text. I got a text from one of my buddies in the Kansas beat writer contingent that said, "Hey, one of the radio guys wants to know if they can use your seat to watch the game courtside." I'm like, one of the Kansas guys. Yeah, like, yeah there you go. I was like, well, I'm not using it, but I was like, I think all I was thinking was. Man, they must have a lot of radio guys if somebody in the radio crew doesn't have an assigned seat. I'll tell you who that guy is. I know who that guy is because he just planted himself in one of our seats in Kansas City. Oh, yeah? And our our engineer, Dave Garrett, said he was in Eddie's seat. And he's like, <laughs> uh, we kind of need that. And the guy was like trying to make a reasonable argument for why he should stay in it. Eddie going, has to call the game. Yeah, he's like, like, well, I mean, you know, we can – and and Dave pointed out very nice. You already have four seats. You've got an engineer. You've got Jeez, Brian man. Haney. You've got Greg Gurley. You've got David Lawrence. You've already you already got four seats there. And I was like, yeah, but if we could, and they're like, no, we actually have to have it. Well, the Kansas radio crew doesn't have to worry about that now. Yeah, <laughs> uh, they got up and left after that. But Brian Haney, ever the great guy, came over and patted me on the shoulder and wished us, you know, uh, a good broadcast and said good luck to the Longhorns after that. Good so, dude. Yeah. Indeed. Hey, uh, clean up from hour number one. Uh, we were talking about those uh, bizarre sports injuries. Somebody said it was brutal watching Kendris Morales injure himself on opening day at the plate after hitting a walk-off grand salami. He was never the same. Um, in high school, one of our corners caught a pretty sweet interception to close the game to win, and one of our linebackers went to give him a headbutt and ended up getting a concussion. Going to our sideline, our coaches had it on film for the next week, and our coach made it clear, please don't hurt your teammate, guys. <laughs> man CB says a Padres pitcher stabbed himself in the stomach trying to open a new DVD. forgot about that. A young LaMarcus Aldridge, uh, the the uh, comparison made to Dylan DeSue there. Uh, one of his moves to the bucket, Dylan looked like a newborn fawn trying to find his legs. And I mean that in the best possible way. We must not underestimate his athleticism. Um, so, anyway, MJ from Hearn. Uh, Craig and Jeff, did you hear the statement made 
from Texas saying the reason A&M wasn't higher than a seven seed is because Texas played a role in the committee's <laughs> decision because Texas owns ESPN. Um, the minute the minute the phrase Texas was uttered, I'm like, okay, I, where where is this, this going to go? go? <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, there are so many. <laughs> assuming that's real, yeah. right? There yeah. are so many things wrong with that that are just blatantly inaccurate. I don't oh, even know where to start man. to pick it apart. Okay. And Big Crip fan say, hey, in my opinion, Coach Terry earned the job by holding Penn State off the last five minutes and show what Texas fight is all about. Previous regimes haven't had that Texas fight, and that's what it means to be a Longhorn to me. Congratulations to uh, Horns and the Coach. Somebody said, should Dylan Mitchell return? I can tell you from visiting with uh, several different folks connected with the NBA – it's probably going to be beneficial for Dylan Mitchell to return. Yeah. He is almost non-existent on draft lists right now. Yeah. Because, you know, your second-round picks, those are going to be more yeah. college upperclassmen, right. uh, international picks, they'll draft and stash. Yeah, I I haven't looked at a mock draft since maybe October yeah. that has him going in the first round. Yeah, and and here's the reasoning. The the major reason, the common thread is that while he has freakish and, and, and very creative athletic skill level, uh, there has not been he's not been able to fully develop his offensive game. Right, and that's and and that happens. That's a pretty common thing with freshmen, uh, and so it's a deal where another year of college would really help him greatly in terms of trying to uh, develop his offensive game. And I'm sure he'll get that advice um, because that's one of the things the NBA lets you do, lets you go through the process and you can, you know, check it out. I mean, my gosh, Jalen Wilson's been through it twice. Uh, Dylan DeSue did it last spring. Yeah, and nothing wrong with, with checking it out and getting the feedback. And I'm sure he'll get that kind of feedback for that. And you know, Dylan said it was really yeah. beneficial in terms of mm-hmm. you know figuring out kind of what what he needed to work on, yeah, uh, what they like about his game at the pro level. You know, it's it does nothing but help guys. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, All right. I want to yeah, I want to get to some NFL notes, yeah. uh, some Longhorn in the NFL notes. Of course, we're going through free agency right now, and uh, we've had some contract signings. I'm sure I'm going to miss one, but this is kind of... Hey, Cameron, can I get some NFL Films music? Some kind of bed right yeah, there? Yeah, there we go. How about some NFL Films yeah. music for late March? There we okay, go. Well, that's Fox, work. but that's, that's Fox, close enough. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, so we've got some contract signings. Uh, Longhorns in the NFL getting various deals. You've got Andrew Beck and Hassan Ridgeway both headed to the Houston Texans. Charles Amenahu, nice two-year, $20 million deal with the Chiefs. Jordan Hicks restructured his deal with the Vikings to stay. There was some thought he was going to be a cap casualty. How about that, Craig? Jordan Hicks, you look at two serious injuries while he was at Texas. Yeah. Actually, three. He had the groin injury in 2012, uh, and he had the uh, the Achilles in 13. And I want to say he had a pec injury, too, somewhere along the line. But that's a guy that's still – and Achilles is bad enough. But on top of everything else, he's still making money playing the game of football. Calvin Anderson, if you remember, was initially signed as an undrafted free agent by the Patriots, then had a cup of coffee with the Jets and spent his pro career with the Broncos. He's headed back to New England on a two-year deal. Uh, Deshaun Elliott headed to the Dolphins, and the Broncos have re-signed P.J. Locke. Oh, okay. So P.J. Locke the third. Yes, and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that uh, when checking the transactions list of the Dallas Football Cowboys... 
to get a better feel for their offseason moves. Right. Back in February, yeah. they did sign Malik Jefferson to a reserve slash futures contract. Meaning? They're bringing him back. He'll be back with them for training camp. What a chance to make the active roster. Refresh my memory on what reserves slash futures The futures means. contract basically means you're pretty much guaranteed a camp spot. Okay. So. In essence. Get an opportunity to get invited to training camp and a chance to to make the club. Yep. Nothing beyond that, but 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 Which, an I mean, opportunity. Malik, Malik was on the practice squad last year, so that's like DKR used to say, coming to the University of Texas is an opportunity. Yeah. That's so good good for Malik though that he's still getting an opportunity to um, enjoy a program. Yeah, and then and then all right, and and obviously those are the the points you're making about former Longhorns. You know, it, I'm sure you're hearing this of late. What with the Cowboys' release of Ezekiel Elliott, it's like, hey, could open the door, you know? B. Sean Robinson, Cowboys pick at number 26. Let me help you there. He ain't going to be there at 26. If the Cowboys won, they're going to have to trade up at that point. And I can't for the life of me envision a situation where B. Sean Robinson lasts 26 picks in the NFL draft. I think realistically, just based on the way running backs are valued, mm-hmm. I could see the Bears have two first-round picks. No, they only have the one. Uh, I could see because they had to give up one in yeah. the or did they, didn't they pick up one in the in the trade with the Panthers? Or did they not have one before? And no, then... they traded with the Panthers acquired number one. They yeah. just, the Bears still have nine, which is yeah, uh, yeah. The Chargers at twenty one is yeah. the first spot where I can be like, okay, Bijan could go there. Uh, I don't think the Ravens would do it. Then I think maybe you're looking at the Cowboys at twenty six. I think the Chargers at 21, I think that's probably, if you're the Cowboys, you would need to get above At LA. least to that, yeah. yeah. To If you really wanted to. Yeah. But if I'm the Cowboys, and I'll get to a couple of the Cowboys moves here in just a second. If I'm the Cowboys, I just stay put. Take the best available player. You know, you, you, you've you got needs. You're probably going to need a tight end. Offensive line. You can always help. use an offensive lineman. Interior defensive lineman. Yep. You can't have enough of those guys. We know they're not going to do anything at safety. But they've already got wide receiver and corner figured out but with their their trades i wouldn't i as much as i love b john robinson and as much of a fan as i am of the dallas football cowboys i would not trade up because you're gonna have to give up some legit draft capital to do that probably a a two maybe a three a future two or something like that i just i wouldn't do it you know i understand your point on that i yeah and and agree with you by the way that uh, my my only point and i think it coincides exactly what you're saying they would have to trade up. He's not going to last to 26. Yeah. So, you know, somebody's going to take him before. So if it if it's to be the Cowboys, they're going to have to move up. And your point then is well taken about with all the needs they have, it might not behoove them to make that kind of move. Yeah. And then to sit tight at 26, help themselves in another need area because clearly they have other need areas. Now, they dressed wide receiver. With picking up Brandon Cooks. And this kind of meets in the middle with what the Cowboys historically have done during free agent season. They've either grossly overspent, leveraged themselves too much on free agents, Joey Galloway, 
or they're just fine getting guys off the scrap. No. Is Stephon Gilmore the same player he was two, three years ago? No, but he's still a really good player. And and you don't you're not you're not signing him to be the dominant shutdown corner he was two, three years ago. You have that guy already with Trayvon Diggs. You're signing him to be your number two corner, which is that should be fine. You should be fine with Stephon Gilmore in that role. And I like it. And the Brandon Cooks trade, it takes them out of the Odell Beckham sweepstakes, but Brandon Cooks hasn't had, knock on wood, a serious injury that he's trying to rehab from. He's been a productive wide receiver. So I dig it. I dig those two moves. So there it is. Some NFL. And by the way, like you said, Craig, pour one out for Zeke Elliott. There you you go. Have you seen a running back that fell as far and as fast as he did? Pretty quickly. I mean, it, it went down from there. Like you look at his old, you look at his clips, like from his rookie year, his first two, three years in the league, and look at him last season. It doesn't even look like the same guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, we'll uh, be uh, back with our uh, Flex Thirty update and our next hour Longhorn Notebook when we continue with Life the Tower on the Horn, one zero four nine one zero one nine AM till sixty. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Craig Way and Jeff Howe light the tower. Tell by the drummer if this is the cover. Yeah, it's the CCR cover. I've heard it through the grapevine. Very good. There's three versions of this. The original version is probably my favorite, but the Marvin Gaye version. Mm-hmm. But this is good, and I'll tell you another good version. Ever hear the Aretha Franklin version of this? I don't think I have. Man, it's good. Good. Is that like the Metallica version of Turn the Page is better than the Bob Seger version? Nah, that would be completely and factually incorrect. Nah, but, I um, think you would be incorrect now, about I, stating that's incorrect, you, sir. You know what? You know what? I, I, I'm willing to modify this much. The Metallica version, I think, might be better than the studio version of Turn the Page by Bob Seger. The live version, it's not even close. Okay. The live version yeah, off Live Bullet, that. That is the standard. We'll have to fire up the old Apple music on the way home. I was saying this them. I was saying this to, to Linda the other day. You know, some songs are just better live than uh than the studio version. I'll give you a great example too. Yep. The live version that when the A C D C live album, the live version of Thunderstruck, yep. much better than the studio version. I, I agree. I agree. I know the one you're talking about. The live version of Freebird by Leonard Skinnerd. Better than the studio version. That that media timeout in the Arkansas Kansas game felt about as long as Freebird. There you go. The live version of um, most of pre- Peter Frampton stuff. Of, of Frampton comes alive. Uh, most of that is is better than the studio stuff. Uh, the live version of uh, Maybe I'm Amazed from Paul McCartney and Wings. Better off the Wings Over America live thing than the original McCartney studio version of that. Billy Joel's. Uh, uh, she's got a way better live, uh, certainly better than the original one where they m- uh, messed up the pitch on the thing and, and recorded him incorrectly on yeah. that. But even after they fixed it, so yes, there's some versions of some songs that are better live than the studio version. So Stoner brought up something real quick before yes. we get to our flex segment. When I said, "Have you ever seen a running back fall off as fast and as far as Zeke Elliott did?" He brought up Demarco Murray. <laughs> If you, think, if you think about it, I pulled up his numbers. He had a great 2014 season with the Cowboys. 1,800 yards, 13 touchdowns, 4.7 per carry, caught 57 balls. 
signs that massive deals deal with the Eagles and was the drizzling you-know-whats for the Eagles that year. Went from had oh, about 1,100 fewer yards, ran for 702, got cut. He did, though, have almost 1,300 yards in 2016 with the Titans and then went down to 659 the following year, and he was out. A big reason, Jeff, is that both DeMarco Murray and Zeke were behind the best offensive line in football yeah. for a two-, three-year stretch. That was when DeMarco Murray had that, that 1,800-yard season. That was when you could legitimately say the Cowboys had the best offensive line in the NFL. Hmm. That was not just a, well, well, when you're living off reputation. No, that was a legitimate factual statement that could be made. And and Zeke's rookie year, too. You could still say that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Our friend Tom McKay, audiovisual consultations, weighing in saying, heard it through the grapevine. It's covered on records over 100 times. One of the most covered songs ever. Somebody else had said, yeah, have you heard the, uh, uh, the Gladys Knight version? So there's a, there's another version of uh, Heard It Through the Grapevine. And uh, Stoner agrees with ACDC, one of the best live bands I've ever seen. All their songs were better live. Somebody else said Kiss Alive, that one. <laughs> Joe number two says the CCR version is almost as long as Inagata De Vita. That might be a little bit hyperbolic. Inagata De Vita, I think it's 15 minutes long. That was when I was a student DJ at UNC Wilmington. You could put Inagata De Vita on and then... If you had to go to the bathroom to drop a deuce, you were in good shape. <laughs> Just saying. Okay? That iron butterfly. So basically, if if uh if you were DJing if you were DJing and Inagata DeVita came on, your buddies could be like, Oh yeah, Craig Craig's got to go pot pot. That's what must have been. Must have been, right? Uh somebody else said uh, uh all bad the, bathroom. All the uh Rush live better than the studio versions, and Cooter says heard it through the grapevine. Best done by the California Raisins, of course it is. I thought I was like, man, is Craig going to mention the California Raisins version when you mentioned? Yeah, Aretha there you Franklin, go, but... there you go. All right, uh, how about a uh, Flex Thirty update? Flex ATX for the best high school sports coverage. Listen to the horn and go to flxatx.com. Flex Thirty is brought to you by. Brain Vault. Brain Vault is a revolutionary and patented mouth guard that has been proven to help reduce the risk of concussion. Visit BrainVault.com and join the movement. Uh, well, first of all, Cam, I know you were busy. You did not have any high school-related broadcast activities for the course of the weekend due to the wedding you were going in the setup for the uh, women's broadcast on Saturday. Mm-hmm. What's yeah. your slate look like this week? So Daddy? Friday, we'll be back at the Dragon Diamond for some rock hardball. Stony Point in Round Rock, who is 3-0 in 25-6A, looking really good in a really, really tough district. So I'll be back out there Friday night. Match play this week, so I'll be out at the Austin Country yep. Club all week, too. It'll be a fun, busy week. Dragons can chunk it. Yes. They can pitch. Uh, no doubt about that. Um, uh, if you're keeping track, Jeff, we were doing the Westlake count in the NCAA tournament. Down to one. You're down to one dude. Yeah. Big Brock Cunningham. That's it. Big K- Brock Cunningham. Yeah. Uh, K.J. Adams in Kansas knocked out by Arkansas. What a weird game. We were sitting courtside for that. Kansas looked like they had it under control. They're up 12. 46-34 in the second half. Uh, leave it to an old basketball mind like Eddie Orange to tell me. They stopped driving the ball. They settled. They started settling for jump shots. And Arkansas, which settled in the first half, started driving the ball on Kansas in the second half. That's what flipped the script on that. Talking to one of my colleagues, media colleagues, who was stationed behind mm-hmm. in the vicinity of the Arkansas bench. Yeah. And he said, You watch Eric Musselman coach a game for 40 minutes, it is an experience. Yeah. 
and then watch him jump up on the table right near where you were standing and rip off his shirt and wave it at the fans. Were you seated by that time? Uh, no, I was in the tunnel yeah. at that point watching the game. Because he was standing, I think, right where your seat was. I w- yeah, he would have he yeah. would have been right in front of me. But I was standing uh, with the Texas team in the tunnel. Yeah, okay. Yeah, he was, was there just sta- waving, that, that, waving that shirt around yeah. uh, there. So anyway, uh, Matthew Meyer, the former Westlake Chaparral, who, of course, had played at Baylor and then transferred to Illinois, uh, did not look like he was suffering from a caffeine-induced euphoria or caffeine poisoning, but did not shoot well, and uh, Illinois got beat. So he got knocked out, and K.J. Adams in Kansas lost. So it's down to Brock Cunningham, if you're keeping track well, of the Westlake guys still in the end. In terms of area guys, so yes. Jamal Shedd and Maynard. Absolutely. Had, uh, had uh, what is it, 13 to 10. Yeah. For those Houston Cougars. Yeah, 10 yesterday, 10 and 5 assists for U of H yesterday. And, of course, as far as local products go, <laughs> Dylan DeSue. Yeah. Hendrickson Hawk that he is. So, all right. So there's your local count there on that. Uh, somebody asked, can Brock Cunningham dunk? Yes, I've seen him do it before. Brock's six seven. Like, yeah, he can. He can get up there. He can. He can definitely uh, do it there. So, I seen him. Yeah. Uh, doesn't UK have a Westlake kid? Yes, but UK isn't in the tournament anymore. They got beat yesterday. Got knocked out. I think. Yeah. UK, I think he means KU for Kansas. No, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But my point was is that Kansas and UK and KU both yeah. are not playing anymore. Does Cal come back next year? I think mm. so. Jud- judging from kind of the way he talked yesterday in the post-game press conference, understanding what's demanded of the fan base and telling his players it's not for everyone and that sort of stuff, I think he'll be back. I, I think he will. Um all right, so there it is. There's your Flex 30 update. Time now for our second hour Longhorn Notebook. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. Longhorn Notebook brought to you by Aaron Bowersock, your home loan expert. Be sure to check her out on the web at bowersockteam.com. Uh, B-O-W-E-R-S-O-C-K, just like it sounds. Bowersockteam.com. Craig, you got anything else to run down on the basketball front before I hit some of this football stuff? Uh, no. In case folks didn't hear, it is an 845 tip. Uh, and the plan is to be on the air at 8 o'clock, uh, the tip-off at 845 for the men's game. Of course, the women's game tonight at 6. You can hear it on 105.3 The Bat beginning at 545 uh, for that. And uh, Longhorn Baseball tomorrow night against Incarnate Word to try to go to 11-0 and on the homestand before getting ready to open conference play this weekend against Texas Tech. All right, so the Longhorns uh, are scheduled to pick up spring ball tomorrow with a practice. Yes. Uh, Post practice availability scheduled with Steve Sarkeesian. So we'll get the recap from Sark of kind of coming back and how guys are feeling and, and his feelings on how the team came back. But just kind of a, I just want to use this, Craig, as a refresher. Just kind of keep just, I know we, everybody's been in basketball mode, right. but let's go ahead and reset with spring football. Some of the things to watch once the team gets back to work tomorrow. I, I, to me, at the forefront is the health of Malik Murphy. And as I've said, if Malik Murphy's not able to get on the practice field and be full go tomorrow, then at that point, if you're A.J. Milwee and you're Sark, I think you've got to start planning like Arch Manning is going to be your backup quarterback. Hmm. Just as, as, as often as Malik, for as long as he's dealt with something, on the injury front, I just think you've got to get Arch ready. Just get his mind right that he might have to be the backup quarterback this year. I know that's not ideal, but how often in college football do you run into an ideal situation? True so enough. That's something to watch. Competition at running back. 
I think is something to watch because if Jonathan Brooks and Keelan Robinson are back, now how do Jaden Blue and C.J. Baxter look when the reps are more evenly distributed and they're not just getting the lion's share of them in practice? And I think for those guys, your spring scrimmages are going to be really big for the two youngsters. So file that away. Cross-training on the offensive line and in the secondary. Manufacturing depth within both of those groups. Again, on the injury front, does Cole Hudson come back? And if he does, how much right guard does he work? How much center does he work? Because you you got you don't have a backup center right now. You gotta get somebody at that position that you trust. If something happens to Jake Majors, who can go into a game and get you through the game or maybe get you through you know, a couple of weeks if it's something that Jake is dealing with. You've got to be able to come out at some point with the backup center you feel good about. Now maybe once Connor Robertson gets over the thumb, once he's fully recovered, or for the wrist surgery, excuse me, once he's fully recovered and is back up and running full go, maybe he's your backup center. But right now, I think just for the sake of what are you going to do in a scrimmage situation? Maybe it's Sawyer, Gore, and Welch can get you through the scrimmage situations. I don't know. But manufacturing a depth with a backup center is huge. And then are there any interior guys that you feel like might need to get a look at tackle? Are there any tackles that you feel like might need to, to get a look kicking inside? This is the time when you do that because I will say this, and Cameron, you can mark the tape and we can just repeat this in August over and over and over again. And Craig, you've been around long enough. You can back me up on this. When you get to August, you'll have a legitimate camp for maybe two and a half. If you're pushing it, maybe three weeks. If you've really got the kind of roster where you feel like you need to get some stuff sorted out. But once you get about two and a half weeks out from the opener, camp is done. And now you're in a game planning mode. So the guy, a guy's opportunity to go win a job. Once you get to about that two and a half week mark, it ain't about going to win a job anymore. Yeah, no. It's about just kind of doing the best you can, hope you can put yourself in a good spot on the 2D. But at that point, the coaches are game planning. you got to get ready to go. Get ready to start a season. So the time to win a job, the time to experiment with guys cross-training and work in different positions, that time's now. And in the secondary, you know, we've seen Gavin Holmes at corner. We've seen him at that star position. Austin Jordan's been at corner, been at that star position. Does anybody else get a look at safety? Because I'm not expecting Jalen Catalan to do much, if anything, this spring recovering from the shoulder surgery, and honestly, Craig, Jalen Catalan's a proven commodity at this level. He hasn't done it at Texas, but at least he's done it at a high level in the SEC. They have to feel like they know what they've got with Jalen Catalan if he's healthy. You get the extended look at the two young kids with B.J. Allen, Larry Turner Good, and you get an extended look at Keaton Crawford. Do you want him to work some of that star position? Uh, Mixing and matching on the back end I think is something that's key to watch. too. And like I said with the competition at running back, competition at edge. You got Baron Sorrell and then a whole bunch of question marks. Is Colton Vosick or Ethan Burke, one of the Westlake kids, do they get a chance to climb up the depth chart? I think right now, if Texas played a game tomorrow, I think Justice Finkley would be starting opposite of Baron Sorrell. But do one of those other guys, a guy like Jare Bledsoe that's going to factor into that mix somehow, does he become a guy that PK and, and Sark suddenly say, hey, we've got to make sure he gets X number of reps per game because we feel like he can be an impact guy or that's a guy we need to track over the summer or whatever. Just getting depth at those. It's weird to think about, Craig. Two years ago, that 2021 season, some of the worst edge play I've ever seen from a Texas defense. And now you lack experience, but you just got a lot of young, talented guys. And if those young, talented guys are hungry, 
you sh- you have a chance to have some quality depth at the two edge positions. So those are the things I'm looking at, along with the inside linebacker spot next to Jalen Ford. If David Bend is still running with the ones through the end of spring ball, then you start to feel like maybe he turned a corner or maybe the staff just feels really good with him. Or if you start to hear more rumblings that Mo Blackwell or Leungo LaFowle or Anthony Hill, if they're getting a longer look, that's one of those competitions that once you get to August, we'll be circling and saying, hey, competition at, the, at that other inside backer spot, that's going to be one of those two or three positions that's unsettled that you still need to watch for. So oh, just a little yeah. refresher. Yeah, for, yeah, for yeah. And, and wet the appetite again for this week. Um, all right. Hey, um, uh, Freak Nasty ATX, like that Twitter handle, uh, or not Twitter handle, the text uh, uh, title. Uh, is the women's game on radio on the Horn app or on the on the Varsity app? It you can listen to that on the Texas Longhorns app and at TexasSports.com, as well as of course 105.3 The Bat. That that uh, NCAA rights restriction uh, for the women only extends to the Final Four. It does not uh, for first and second round, even uh, Sweet Sixteen uh, for that as well. So um, anyway, so. There you go. All right, we'll be back to uh, uh, wrap up today's edition of Light the Tower. On the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260, live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Okay, we're done for the program today. want to remind you that uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Remind you, Texas women's basketball tonight on 105.3 The Bat, 5.45 airtime, 6 o'clock. Remind you that since there's an open practice window tomorrow, I'll be here. I just don't know when. There it is. On the record. (laughs) All right. (laughs) For our man behind the glass, our producer, Cameron Parker, and for my co-host, Jeff Howe, I'm Craig Wade. Thanking you for joining us. Stay tuned. Chad and Zay are up next. We'll visit with you tomorrow morning, 10 o'clock, right here on Light to Tell.